Well, welcome. Glad you're here. We haven't started yet, so you're still on time. Oh, yeah. You want to grab one of those for her if she wants one? Perfect. Everybody get a handout that one on one? How was Chick fil A? Is it good? Good. Awesome. Let's get started here just for sake of time. Uh, my name is Dr. Joshua Steinke. I am a um, chiropractor by trade, and then I um, I direct a ministry nonprofit called Worship Anyway. I'm from Wapakoneta, Ohio, and uh, I'm a father of seven, and um, I have one wife. <laughs> and just to make make that clear. So uh, anyway. And, uh, and this particular session is called, um, I Don't Have the Gift of Evangelism. So if that's what you're here for, you're in the right place. And if not, then you're stuck with me anyway. So <laughs> anyway, the, uh, the goal today is going to be a few different things. Number one, that you'll learn. Number two, actually probably number one, that you have, uh, that you enjoy it, that you have fun, right? Like, so, so we hope that this, this session is enjoyable to you. I don't do boring in my life, hence the seven kids. And... Um, and, and also that, that you get some practical knowledge, but some inspiration too. Uh, know that you can really live this thing out, whatever uh, your space is and demographic is and season of life is, uh, to be um, a, an effective uh, light for Christ, salt and light to the earth, wherever that is for you. Amen? Is that cool? Do this for me if you're able to, and, and some of you might be a little more difficult, but would you just stand to your feet for me? Stand up. We just ate lunch, and... And uh, as a chiropractor, natural health doctor, I know what happens about 30 minutes, uh, 40 minutes after uh, we consume food, especially when it's fried. And so uh, we hit this kind of uh, this coma thing that tries to set in. And so sometimes just being active. So uh, one of the things that I'll do and you can I'll just break the ice so it's not awkward for all of you. But uh, when the Lord called me to do this ministry thing and we're going to walk through how that looks for all of our life. Uh, he said, um, I'm going to call you to do worship ministry. And I said, that's so funny, Lord, because I'm not a worship leader. I don't play any instruments, right? And he said, but I gave you breath in your lungs. And so that's what you're going to use. And so uh, most of what I do worship-wise, I, w I have a band and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, he's called me to no matter where we go and no matter what season that we live, that we're in and what's going on and no matter what's going on around us, he's called us to worship anyway. Amen. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sing. And if you know the words, you sing along with me. But we're just going to worship the Lord to start here. Is that okay with you? And, 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 the, and here's, the, here's the cool thing, right? Uh, I'm, I'm never perfect and on key. My band makes fun of me all the time for that. So, so you don't have to worry about that, all right? <laughs> Let me just pray, and then we'll worship. Lord, we thank you, God, for this, uh, just this opportunity to come after lunch and to, to learn about you. Let this session be about you, not about us, and not about not just gaining knowledge, Lord, worldly knowledge, because... We know we can get all the knowledge in the world, but if it's not your thing, God, if it's not you, it really matters not. And so, God, I pray that uh, this is uh, glorifying to you and strengthening to uh, your people here this afternoon. And so we just thank you for the breath in our lungs and the strength in our bones. And we give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name. Forevermore, for endless days, we will sing your praise. 
one more time. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise, oh Lord, oh Lord our God. Come on, give it up for yourselves. Thank for the Lord. Man, y'all sound like a heavenly choir. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you for uh, entertaining me there. But really, for blessing the Lord. Some of you really do have, I heard some harmony in there, man. Even when it's a wrong key or something. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, uh, I, I, uh, I introduced you, I introduced myself, I didn't introduce you, but hopefully you'll introduce yourself to me at some point. I love meeting people, I love people, and I love connection with people. I love relationship. And so, uh, um, in my vocation, the Lord's called me to be a natural health doctor, to lay, to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. That's literally what I get to do every day as a chiropractor. And, and that word chiropractor freaks people out sometimes. I get a lot of crazy looks. And then when I tell them I love Jesus, it's, it's just all things are off the table. So it's all good. So um, I, I get to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover every day. It's what I do. But uh, whether I'm in a profession like that or you're in a profession like that where you get to on, honestly do like a biblical thing, like that ties directly to a, a scripture, I think we all probably have that if we really dig. Um, I absolutely a thousand percent believe that if you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, is that you in this room? Anybody? Yeah, hallelujah. Half of you? Good. We have some evangelism to do here today. Um, that you are called to be a witness, right? That you are called to be to go into all the world, right? And that means your community, your city, and your home uh, to tell other people about what's happened to you. Tell them your story, your testimony, and help them get to that same place, right? Not just for fire insurance, but to live all the days of their life for Jesus, right? To praise the name of the Lord their God by, by the life that they live. So uh, what does that look like? Well, <coughs> I can remember, I'm just going to tell you a story because stories, I believe, are what speaks to me the most. I hope that it speaks to you too. I can remember being in chiropractic school um, uh, 12, 15 years ago now and um, not saved, living a very worldly life and and walking in, in all the ways of the world that we try to, this is how I say it anymore, we try to fill a God-sized hole with worldly things, and it never fits, never fills it up. Anybody been there before, right? And you just keep, I love uh, the way Elevation Worship said it, right? I searched the world, and it couldn't fill me, that Graves in the Garden song. Uh, and so I did that, and then many of you did, so I won't go into all those details, because I'm sure you're like, yeah, I remember those days, right? And so um, I lived that, and, in, and, and here's what happened. When I was in chiropractic school, um, trying to fill a God-sized hole with worldly things that would never fill it. Um, I had uh, this experience, and uh, some friends, really nice friends of mine, guys who I thought um, were cool, like me, uh, said, hey, you want to come uh, to a free concert? And I've always loved music. The Lord's always put on my heart music, and uh, for lots of different types of music. I said, yeah, I love music, and it's free. That's even better. I'm a college kid. So they, they said, Tuesday night, which is a weird night, I thought, Tuesday night, we're going to go to this, we'll pick you up. So they took me, took me to this giant facility with a 10-story parking deck in Atlanta, Georgia. And when we walked in the doors, I realized it was a church. And I thought, what kind of cult is this? And um, anyway, we walked into this church. This is a huge church. I've never been in 
I mean, the facility here is beautiful today, and, and the sanctuary very big. But I, this was this is small compared to what I was experiencing then. And there was a hundred-person choir on stage, a full orchestra, and and eight singers with with microphones, and the place was packed. And I thought, oh, what did what did they bring me to, right? And then the worship began, and I experienced something that I'd never experienced before in a church. For uh, for 26 years of my life, I was raised in the Catholic Church, right? Went to church every Sunday, very faithful. My parents came from a very loving home, big, big family. That's why I have seven kids. My dad's one of 12, right? So, uh, and, and so church was a part of our life. But uh, what I never realized, fast forwarding, was relationship was never a part of my life, right? That going to church was. But So this is something I never experienced. But what I never experienced, not just the, the vastness of it and the bigness of it, was I saw people who looked like they were actually enjoying themselves, number one. But number two, the music was absolutely incredible. And I'm convinced to this day that it wasn't the talent and the ability of those people on stage, although they had very, very, very high talent and high ability, and there was lots of them, that it was something different about that that completely changed my life and my complete outlook on at least planted a seed. And, and now I can tell you it was the Holy Spirit in that place. But then I could I would have told you, that I don't know, this is weird, but I feel something different, right? And uh, so anyway, these guys planted a seed, but took me this thing, and I said, you know what? These are the words I said. If church was like that, I would go. Because I hadn't gone since I was out of my own. I hadn't not been that faithful, you know, every Sunday goer. Because I, I just saw, saw through that, okay? So then uh, they took me to a conference. They said, you know, if you like this, you should come to this conference, similar to a conference like today. And um, I feel confident saying this openly in this room and uh, because cause you guys are all spirit-filled believers, I believe. So they took me to this conference, and, and there was a chiropractor like me um, who uh, started you know, his talk like this. And then he said, you know what we're going to do? The, the Holy Spirit just told me we're just going to line everybody up. I'm going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you. And I was like, oh, good night. Get me out of this room. <laughs> and um, so I'll try to really speed through this, but it's important to set up all, all of you have a story like this, right? But he started praying for people, and people were in this line. My, wi- my, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, uh, were way at the end of this line. And, you know, he's this chiropractor. I'm like, this guy's not giving adjustments, but people are falling over. <laughs> and, you know, anyway... It's like you, you've seen the, the, thi- the thing, you know, and, and by the way, he's, he's saying words that I don't understand, like in English, that, I, you know, that aren't English, that I don't understand. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. By the time he gets to me, I'm like, God, this, these people are uh, just, it's just attention. Like, that's not real. And so there's no way that's going to happen. To me, um, I was living a very sinful life at that time, caught up in a lot of addictions and things like that, but I was interested in what was going on. Um, with this Jesus thing, and so he gets to my wife, and my wife told me later, she said, I was just praying, God, don't let me fall over, God, don't let me fall over, God, don't let me fall over, <laughs> and uh, I was just trying to figure out what this guy was saying, because uh, I had a conversation with him before, he wasn't, he's not foreign, right, he speaks English, so what's going on, anyway, um, so he prayed for us, we didn't fall over, praise the Lord, I know you were waiting for me to tell you, I just <laughs> fell over, yeah, <laughs> Here's what happened. Here's what happened. When that guy was praying for me, all of a sudden, when he laid his hand on my head, I could understand what he was saying. And I told my wife, why did he pray over me in English and everybody else in whatever he was saying? She said he wasn't. Well, that wasn't the point that I got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That, that wasn't the point. I just had 
an experience. And by the way, uh, I don't know about you, but if you go tell anybody else about that experience, that ain't like, you know, you or I, like, uh, you know, oh, yeah, this is cool. I, I, <laughs> I'm cool with this kind of talk. You go tell anybody else, you're going to be like, um, do not ever go back to <laughs> that, that place. And you might want to go get some help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Thank God that that's not what I did. My point being this, here's what happened. I had an experience that nobody could explain away, a real experience that happened in my life, an encounter with God that happened in my life that completely changed it. But nobody else could say, listen, I don't care what your theology is or what your doctrine is. I know, I know God did something in my life right then, right there. And here's how I know, right? The Bible says this, they'll be known by their fruits. You guys, oh, yeah. We don't like to remember that sometimes because that hurts us. We're like, oh, man, maybe my fruits right now is kind of rotten. But we'll be known by their fruits, right? So here was the fruit that, that happened that night. We went home that night, and my wife can attest to this. My wife now can attest to this. We went home. We were living together at that time, boyfriend and girlfriend. And um, in Atlanta, that's not what we should do. I'm saying we were living. This was pre-Jesus for us, right? So um, – I went and got all of the drugs and, and things that I was so addicted to that I had tried many times, by the way, to stop because I just knew a doctor shouldn't do those things, right? And I was going to be one. And I literally took them over our back fence in Atlanta, Georgia, and I threw them like this. Like, you know, imagine drug paraphernalia going everywhere all over the <laughs> back fence. She's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm done. Like, for the first time in my life, I don't know what that guy said to me, but I'm done. I don't want this. I don't even have a desire for this anymore. And she's like, yeah, but some kid's going to pick that <laughs> up. <laughs> it's like, well, I didn't think that through. I just knew that I was done. Okay? So I'm, I'm telling you all this because this sets up exactly what I'm talking about. All of us have to have a what we call a subjective spiritual encounter. Uh, what I mean by that? With God, right? There has to be something real that happens in your life that nobody else can explain away but it's God right and we know that by the fruit that comes out of it right I doubt it was the devil making me throw away all that stuff out of my life right the real fruit was I've never picked it back up in 15 years right and by the way never had it even a desire it's like a miracle had to happen in my life right or I at least had to be a first-hand witness of something the power of God moving in somebody's life for me to do that so let's go to your notes real quick so I, I say all that to, to jump to this. I, I, this outline is in Exodus 3, 4, and following in Exodus, this is the story of Moses. It's so interesting. You guys were all in the first session this morning, everybody in the first session with Pastor John. And he was preaching or speaking, teaching out of, um, out of Acts 4, yeah? And he was talking about... Um, he, he was talking about some of the similar things in the New Testament version of this, Right? Where, uh, like, in, in order for us to have boldness to be witnesses and things, we have to have the manifest, real, present, obvious, you know, we have to have the presence of God, uh, the Holy Spirit in our life. And so Moses needed the same thing in, in chapter 3 of Exodus. You know the story of the burning bush, right? Everybody know that? I think I knew that even before, you know, just because of kids' Bible stories, right? The burning bush experience that Moses had, and we won't read through all this just for sake of time, so I encourage you to. I, I want you to commit to me, and, and I won't hold you to it, and I won't judge you for it, but I want you to commit to me that you'll go through and read Exodus 3 and Exodus 4, just for your own good. I dare you to, right? Just go and read those, and, and so after we talk through this, 
Go go and read Exodus, and, and we have some other. We jump through there, Exodus 14, Exodus 34. Those are all in your notes, because we don't have time to necessarily read through all that today. But go through it with this framework of looking at how does God want to do this in my life, right? Not that you're Moses. We're not trying to necessarily be Moses. But you are modern day, right? You are modern day. God is using you in the same way to move his purposes forward. So a subjective spiritual encounter happens when the Lord speaks to you like a burning bush, a burning bush type of encounter with God, right? Listen, nobody would have said, no, no, Moses, God doesn't speak through burning bushes. Although I'm sure people probably thought, or maybe they did say that. We don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see that. But Moses has an encounter with God that is real to him where God speaks to him. Now, the question becomes, how does God speak to you? And ha- what has God spoken to you? And just out of suggestion, I think God can do what he wants. He's God. But He, we have his word to speak th- to us. And so start there. Of course, we know his Holy Spirit. We know that he puts people in our lives. But I told this to my staff this week that uh, God reminds me of this regularly when I'm in each room. God can even use a donkey to speak to people. I mean, we know that's scripture, too. And I'm being funny, but I think my, my staff laughs every time I call myself a donkey like that. Uh, <coughs> So what's God speaking to you? What has he spoken to you? Some of you right now know God has spoken something to you, right? Yeah? God's spoken something to you, and it's different for all of us, but it's for you. It's to you and for you, right? Number two, this is probably the most important thing. If you look at Exodus 4, I will will read this part. Exodus 4, verses 1 through 5, right? God speaks to Moses. And Moses is not unlike us and says uh, a few different things that you probably said. God says, this is what you're going to do. And Moses immediately says, who am I? Who am I? I'm just a... Immediately, that's our human reaction to this. It says in verse 4, starting 1 there, or chapter 4, sorry, starting 1 there. And Moses answered and said, But they will not believe me, nor listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared to you. Anybody have those voices in their life? Yeah? The Lord said to him, This is the key, What is that in your hand? And when I read that, and when the Lord showed this to me, when I said, I was sitting in a Dave Ramsey conference in uh, Dallas, Texas, entree leadership so it was about it was a business conference and I was really unhappy because it was I thought it was like going to be this whole Jesus conference about business and it was really a lot of worldly stuff not Dave's not a bad guy don't get me wrong it was just mixed in with a lot of stuff so me personally it was like eh whatever and um so I'm sitting there and I'm I'm like I'll probably blow my phone not doing anything godly I'll tell you that or ungodly but uh (laughs) literally I I heard the Lord say here's you know some of you have heard the Lord speak audibly, audibly to you, and some of you are like, I don't know if I've ever heard that voice. But this is what this is what I felt in my spirit. You're going to you're going to start a worship movement. It's a great God. I love worship. But I don't know if you know this. I'm not a worship leader. I don't play any instruments. And he said, 
I've given you breath. You're just going to use your voice. At that moment, he literally showed me. It was like it was what he asked Moses. What's in your hand? What do you have there? What have I given you? Right? Not only that, uh, what's in your hand is not just literally what's in my hand. For some of you, you have a pen in your hand and you are a writer. You can write, right? Some of you, I talked to somebody about this. I passed you about this earlier. I said, he was telling me something similar. I just said, hey, man, what's in your hand? He said, a golf club. He said, I just started coaching a high school golf team. I'm like, sounds like a perfect place for an evangelistic opportunity, right? Right? What's in your hand? Sometimes it's something like that, like real literal. I think a lot of times it's, listen, what, what has God already given you in your life to be able to use? Well, I can tell you immediately this, whole, uh, this, this opens up a whole other thing. Somebody keep me on time if you would. Um, oh, I, th- I noticed I have an opportunity, whether it's five minutes or 20 minutes every single day in rooms, in, in four different rooms in my clinic, to physically lay my hands on somebody, but also just to speak into their life for however long that is. That's what I have in my hands, right? People may come to me because their back hurts. They can't walk or because they have a headache or whatever it may be. And, and while they n- may not come to me because that's the guy who talks about Jesus, and most of them probably don't, to be honest with you, but I have the opportunity to meet a need that they have, right? And be, in, in an intimate way, by the way, physical touch, but to be able to speak into their life and just say, hey, is there anything else you need today? You know what I'm saying? This is what I have in my hand, this opportunity. So what does that look like for you occupationally, right? This is where... Number one, what's or number two, what's in your hands? Proximal ex- exposure, right? Where has God put you? Proximal exposure. Where has He put you around people, and who has He put around you? Similar to what uh, Pastor John was talking about earlier, these three fir- first three points. Number one, we have to have, we, we should expect, right, the presence of God in our life. He should, you know, He speaks to us. He shows us these things. Um, number two, He, Pastor John had said, expect miraculous provision. Well. There's a lot of times that we think, okay, I'm going to, God calls me to be a worship leader and lead this worship movement. I'm just a chiropractor. How am I going to do that? I'm not a worship leader. Okay. That probably costs money. Didn't realize how much money it costs to start a nonprofit, right, or a ministry. Uh, And so God's going to have to provide miraculously for some of these things. But probably the most important thing is you don't have to have to provide people, especially with, with my particular story. If I'm going to lead a worship movement, I'm going to need some people who do know how to play instruments. <laughs> uh, unless I'm doing this thing a cappella, right? Which, <laughs> I mean, I would do it if God called me to do it, but Lord, don't leave me hanging, you know? And so here's, here's what happened in, in my story, and this is what happens in, in Exodus 2. In Exodus as well, I should say, not Exodus, chapter 2. That God says, what's in your hand, Moses? He says, a staff, you know the story throw it down, turns into a snake, but this will be a sign that I have spoken to you. I'm going to show people, not because of anything you have, simply because of what's in your hand. It's nothing special. It's just a, a rod, right? It's just a rod, right? But I'm going to show people through what you have in your hands that it's not you, by the way, that it's only me. But I'm going to use that as a sign to the people, right? I'm going to use what's in your hands to do this thing that I've called you to do. And then, of course, you know this, Moses says, but I'm a stutterer. I'm not eloquent of speech, right? I don't even have the qualifications to do this. And by the way, I'm not even really gifted to do that. Lord, 
I sing off key a lot, <laughs> right? I sing loud, but it's not always good. And uh, and this is when you know God almost gets mad at him and saying, "Who who makes the mouth?" You know, it's like uh, when he tells when he tells David, right? He says, "I know when you're wet, you when you wake and when you sleep. I know when you rise and when you let, uh, you know." And, and he says, "Whether I, you know." Whether I go up to heaven, you are there. And if I go down to Sheol, you are there. Like, God knows. He says, who are you? And who makes the mouth? And I think many times we, you know, God calls us to do something. And we just, you know, oh, God spoke to me. But now all of a sudden God's not God anymore. And he can't do that through me. We think it's humility when really it's just disobedience. So God says, well, listen. Aaron is here, and these people are, I'm going to surround you with these people, right? And I will speak through you, and you will speak through Aaron, and Aaron will be your spokesperson. I'm provi- Basically what he's saying here, I'm providing you with people all around you, right? I'm placing people around you. Some of you got a handout, by the way, on this one that says, it should say, who has God placed around you under proxima, proximal exposure? And just to prove to you that I'm a human being and not perfect, I messed some of those just stop at like AR. It's supposed to say, who has God placed around you? So many of you have the corrected version, but if you're confused about that, that's what that's supposed to be. Who has God placed around you, right? God is placing the people around you. Thank God. So we are five, seven, eight years now. I'm bad with math. Eight years now uh, into a worship anyway ministry, and we have a 19-person band. So 19 people. And they are some of the most gifted. I'm convinced if, like, you know, The Voice got a hold of some of my singers or America's Got Talent, some of my band, I would no longer have a worship ministry <laughs> because they are super talented. Not, it's not just what I say. It's what we hear constantly, right? So what am I, like, it's almost like standing up here today. It's almost like this crazy, um, it's like a story. It's like a mirror within a mirror, I feel like, today because I feel very similar with this worship team as I do even standing in front of you today. There's some amazing speakers here today. What am I doing here? When I stand with my worship team, I I sometimes ask, Lord, what am I doing here? Right? And it's it's really what he's called each of you to do. It's not about you. It's not about just what you have in your hand, although the Lord's going to use that. He's calling you to do something. He's given you something in your hand, and it might be something super simple. But he's going to place the people around you. And by the way, this entire time, he's going to show you that it's not about you. In fact, if it was about you, if I had all the money and I could play guitar, I could do it all myself. Community connection. So this is really, really important for us, right? Uh, Whether it's a workplace or um, it's your church. um, You know, workplace evangelism, I believe, you have this bridging this secular sacred divide that should never really be there people put it there is probably i i think the, the biggest opportunity for the gospel to go forward right now in the season that we're in and I, and this is the life that i live right we have more and more people who will come to the doors of our office for jesus or to be prayed for or for a need that needs met or to a barn that we are doing a worship night in. and by the way so our worship ministry doesn't go to churches so it's actually one of the things that we say no to almost immediately is if a church asks us, asks us to come to them. 
That sounds really bad, doesn't it? This is important. Know where God has called you to go and where he has not called you to go. Right? And I believe he'll show, show us that. And, and, and it doesn't mean anything bad. When we love churches, we are appointing people to the churches. I'm a member of local church. I'm not anti-church by any means. And it's not uh, like, like we need the local church. Here's the problem. The people aren't there. Right? So watch. This year, we'll, we'll play in 27 different places. None of them are a church. Here's where we are playing. Garages, barns, beer tents at fairs. Um, gospel tents at fairs as well. We'll go to a gospel tent, right? Um, in uh, show steer arenas, um, middle of downtown streets, fire departments, right? Those are all places. I said beer tent. Some of you are like, oh, what kind of guy? I just told Pastor John Musgrave, I said, uh, the Oglewest County Fair asked us to come and play at the fair. He's like, oh, that's great, the gospel tent. I said, no, the beer tent. He said, he said, really? I said, yeah. And they actually thought I'd say no. And I said, yes, before they even got out of their mouth. And they said, I didn't think you'd say yes. Why you say yes so fast? I said, because it sounds like a place of people who would never come to one of our events. Amen. Well, what do you think your people will think? I said, I don't care what they think. I care what God thinks. I think God would say, go there. So we, come on, we can be in the world, not of the world, right? If my team, if anybody has a major problem with that, I got 19, <laughs> right? No, they're all really excited about it. It's such an opportunity to go. So we go to the places. Now, l- listen, we still are trying to get them from here to the local church, right? But my, po- my point being that we have to have a community connection here. Where has God planted us and where has he called us to go, right, in this season? I say in this season in parentheses there because that stuff changes. If we don't understand seasons, we end up being in a place that God once called us to. And he's called us to somewhere. That season of grace has ended there. God has called us somewhere else. And we're still hanging out over here because God once called me there. Right? So, and season's important there. But community ca- connection is super important. Relationship marketing is what we call it in the marketplace. And I believe that that's the, one of the most opportune places. Right? Sometimes we're like, well, I can't talk about Jesus in my marketplace. And I can't talk about Jesus here. Well, you can just be Jesus there. Not, not, you're not Jesus. But you can be the Jesus that people see there. Right? I was in a session with Aliano, and he said, you are God's love letter to this world. Right? And that, hit, that hit me so hard, right? So, listen, you don't have to say Jesus, although that's the name above every name, right? Every stronghold must break under that name. And so I love to say the name of Jesus in my office. We say it, but I'm the boss. And (laughs) until I fire myself, whatever, you know, so, but here's the reality. Even people who are, listen, we have all kinds of people come into our office, right? Even those lifestyles, you know, we have alcoholics, we have, you know, uh, we have people who are thinking about being a different identity than than what they are right now. We have lesbian, gay, straight. We have people who are uh, living together outside of a marital, you know, marriage and, and, and we have people who are orphaned and widowed, you name it, right? But listen, none of that stuff matters to, listen, as a chiropractor, none of that stuff matters to me. I'm there to serve them, you know, get them well, right? And they pay me to do it. But I get the opportunity also just to show them Jesus. And more times than not, they say, hey, man, there's something different about you. What is it? Here's what I get in my office. This is real practical. I get, what's so different about this place? 
God's Honest Truth. We had a lady uh, write a review on our, our, on our Facebook whatever page uh, and said, I would pay just to go sit in the waiting room there. That's exactly, I, and I can't, like it blew me away. She said, there's something different about that waiting room. Listen, it's four walls, tile floor, a TV, and some speakers. There's nothing different about that waiting room. This, but you and I both know what she says is the Holy Spirit's there, right? I, I can tell you something. We don't sit out there and, and pray in tongues over everyone that's in, you know, stand, sitting in the waiting room. That's not what we do. I hope you're getting something out of this. It's not just about my story. This is what you can do too, right? That what's in your hand? What is, where has God called you? Where has he planted you? And how can we be, right, in, in the community that God has put us in? Community means a lot of different things, right? But the people and places he's put us around and placed us in, how can we be Jesus' community? And I think one of the biggest things is not being like Moses started and saying, well, I'm not good enough. Who am I? And I don't really have anything. And I, by the way, I'm a stutterer, and I don't know how to do this. And sometimes it's difficult to talk about our faith, but the way that we live speaks way louder than our words anyway. But we have to get over this at some point. Um, but what if? But what if they? What if this is this fear thing? Is the biggest thing. Somebody asked me last week. Believer, uh, she goes to somebody's got church. Um, she comes in and she says, "Man, the way that you guys live this thing out inspires me so much." I said, "That that makes me feel good about myself. Thank you. I appreciate that." She said, "But don't you ever?" worry about putting yourself this how she said it, putting yourself out there like that don't you ever worry about what that what you could lose for doing that and the answer is yes i'm a human being <laughs> and i have a successful practice and i have seven kids to feed at home right the answer is yes i mean i'm not gonna be no i never fear right that's not true right like like yeah sure but this is what this is what scripture says but when when uh uh, can't remember who it was. Came up to Jesus and said, "I want to follow you." And he says, "Foxes have holes, or foxes have dens, and but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head." What what he was saying there was, count the cost. If you're gonna follow, drop everything and follow me, there's a cost to that. Right? We know a wise man counts the cost before he builds a building, right? There's a cost to this, and listen, certainly there's a cost to being outwardly spoken and, and even in my office it could be real practical like this people just don't come back right they could just not come back they could slander us they could write bad reviews instead of saying i'd pay to sit in the waiting room they could say this guy all he talks about is jesus and don't ever go to him and whatever it may be right like they just try to proselytize you and all this other stuff right sure they could they could in this world of social media that stuff's easy to be done anymore right that it could really hurt us in a hurry but we've counted the cost. And I told my entire staff, all of them, by the way, we pray at every meeting. We do worship just like I did with you every meeting. Sometimes they hate it because they ma I make them sing. I don't make them sing. <laughs> right? But in our meetings, I could probably get in trouble for, you know, workplace environment, whatever it may be. But listen, it's, what's more important to me is that I've had three staff members get saved in my office from the time they worked for me. Right? fire me, take my license, right, put me in jail, these three people are going to heaven with me, right, like that, that is more, I've counted the cost, but it's worth it, what would it look like if we had a marketplace, or just places of work, where people 
if, if they were really bold like that. So I'm going to jump to this last. Hopefully you understand time and repetition, uncommon faith, right? Uh, I say uncommon faith in that one, but it really should be, you guys have heard this. I think there was even a book about it. We should be making the uncommon common again. Right? We've, there's a lot of things that are uncommon to us now that should have never been uncommon. Right? Like talking about our faith in the workplace and talking about our faith to our kids. Right? So, <coughs> jump to this last one. Supernatural power. Probably the most important thing. When people ask me, Dr. Josh, how come I've never been to another doctor that, that, that prays over, uh, we pray over every single one of our patients, right? And now we ask them, we're polite. I've had people tell me no, and I respect that. Although I say, I'm still going to pray for you, just won't do it out loud right here in this room. <laughs> right? but, and, and honestly, that's what it is. I'm not, that's funny, but it's true. Like, that's what we're going to In fact, I'm probably going to pray for them even more. Right? And so, uh, by the way, quick story. Uh, just two weeks ago, we had a girl bring up. I, I adjust dogs as well. Some really weird. So, I uh, adjust animals. That's what I first got in chiropractic this girl brings a dog in, and so most of my patients I get a relationship with, but if, if you bring your dog in, you kind of come in at the end of the night after all the people have left, and sometimes I've never met you. You're just bringing your dog in, right? So I get a referral from a vet. They bring this dog in, and this I walk into this room, and room number two is, for whatever reasons, where everyone gets saved. Not everyone. I hope everyone gets saved. Praise the Lord. So, uh, but this, if somebody gets saved in my office, which has happened, at the end of the year we count, I'm jumping around. We count, uh, you know, how much money you have and how many patients you saw. We count how many salvations we had in my office, right? Yeah. Most important number. It's the lowest. It's not thousands and thousands of dollars, if you would. It might be like five. Five people going to heaven because they came to a chiropractor to get their neck back. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. What's in your hand? <laughs> anyway, this girl uh, is, um, brings your dog in. I walk into room number two, and I'm like, there is something different. You ever been around somebody that your heart starts beating real fast and it's like, dude, there's something different about this. I haven't, I don't think that everybody that, this is my opinion, anyway, there was a, this girl was demonized, okay? And, and I can say this with confidence because there were several things. I even asked, I looked this person in the face and her eyes are rolled in the back of her head, right? And uh, I said, who are you? And she wouldn't answer me, wouldn't look me in the face. I said, how did you get in my office? This is not something I do, right? It's the first time it's ever happened, right? I'll talk to people about Jesus, pray with them. This was different, right? And, and she would not look at me. She would just beat around the bush, right? It wasn't her, I guess. It wasn't her. It was whatever was on her, right? My heart is beating so fast right now. My palms are sweating. I don't get nervous, right? I just sang in front of you. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, I'm just praying in the spirit underneath my breath. Like, I just want to full out, lay my hand on her, like, just, I'm like, okay, Lord, what is, what is going on here? Why is this here, you know? And at first, I thought it was the enemy trying to attack me, get inside my clinic, those kind of things. So, anyway, I, I was trying to respect this girl, but still realize what was going on. I'm praying, praying, praying. So, anyway, she's like, should I adjust the dog? Should I come back? I said, you can come back, but not whatever you brought with you, right? And so she leaves, and she kind of looked at me weird. She, she leaves, and I told my team, we grabbed anointing oil, which we keep in my office, and we, it's like every doorpost in this place and every, <laughs> like, we do not let that, whatever that was, cannot stay here, right? Cast out the devils, yeah. And so, by the way, it says to do that, you know, these things shall follow those who believe, right? I think you believe. So, um, 
I'm not just talking to you, but I know I'm just picking on you. Yeah, uh, she is not demonized. Actually, we're just going to have a prayer service right now for you. So, anyway, she comes. But I, I call a mentor of mine the people God has placed around me, right? The godly counsel that God has placed around me, by the way, still very, very important for what he's called you to do. And so I said, this is what happened. And he said, hey, uh, maybe the enemy was trying to attack you, Dr. Josh, but you ever think God sent that girl to you because he knew what she had on her? I didn't even think of that. He said, maybe God purposely sent that girl to you because she'd been everywhere else and nobody that you're, you're the man that she sent her, sent her to. Not that it's about me. You know what I mean, right? He said, no, I didn't even think of that. I was just worried about whatever was up in my office, right? He said, when she comes back, just, uh, just meet her where she's at and say, how is it with you? And try to open the door, right? She came back the next week. Listen, this this is such an important thing. If we realize that God has us in a place, in places, in work or, or families, your family, right? God gave me seven kids, not to tell everybody I got seven kids and say, look at me. He gave me seven kids to steward up, show them the way, show them how I'm not a perfect man, but there's grace with Jesus, right? Uh to, to, to lead them, right? The places and, and people God put us around and places he put us in are for these reasons, right? I can tell you that girl no longer is a demonized person, right? If she, listen, I'm serious. She comes in, she looks me in the eye. I asked her, how are you doing this week? Can I pray for you for anything? What do you need? I'm doing all right this week, Dr. Josh. You know, so anyway, this is what God has called us to do. And supernatural power, this last one, is absolutely important. So when people say, what's different about your office? What's different about you? I was born and raised for 24 years Catholic, and I live in a Catholic-dominated society. And I'm not, I'm not bashing any of that. I'm just saying I was raised a different way, so this wasn't normal for me. I didn't, ra- I didn't see my parents do this. I didn't see people do uh, like, like, it wasn't. My dad is one of those guys, 12 brothers and sisters. They don't talk about their faith. Now, when I ask him, say, Dad, I just got to know, man, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Because I want to know I'm going to see you again after we leave this place, if that gets to happen, he said, yeah, I just don't talk about it. Now, we're having a different conversation today, like this is what we're called to do, but I'm saying, okay, dad, I'm good there, but maybe we can get some, you know, the next steps, but my point being that uh, supernatural power, okay, this is the difference when people say, what's different about you, and why do you talk so much about your faith? Well, number one, because... Jesus changed my life. But that's not, how many people, Jesus changed your life? That doesn't necessarily make it easy to go tell everybody about Jesus, does it? He did. You have a testimony, you have a story, and we should start there. I just told you a bunch of stories. Guaranteed you're going to remember that more than all the knowledge I would have about Jesus. Right? So you have a story, but this is the kicker, and this is what, uh, even in Moses, we see this, right? You have to have the power of God in your life. And we know that in the New Testament and and as a New Testament church that we have to have the power of the Holy Spirit in order to have boldness. Right? In order to have boldness. In order to be power. To have power to be a witness. We all know that's what it says, right? In order to have, it's not for my gain. It's not to say, look at me and look, I can lay hands on the sick and 
watch them recover, and these things follow me, and, and all these different things. It's not for monetary gain. That's called sorcery. And so it's for us to point people to Jesus, no matter where we go, and to have boldness in doing that. And so the, I, I used to beat around the bush. People would say, how come, why are you so, you're just so able. Like you just tell people about Jesus. You just talk about Jesus in a room. And that person's, did you know that person's a lesbian? Not you, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, did you know that person's a lesbian? You just prayed, on them, prayed over them in Jesus' name. And they didn't even say nothing. I'm like, I don't know. I don't think about that no more. And the reason being is because, listen, the Holy Spirit, w- w- when when I experienced, right, the filling of the Holy Spirit, it was like, oh, oh, come on, we can still, our flesh can still get in the way. But the, that power from on high, what the Bible talks about, so real and so important. So important. Not, not just, well, it'd be nice if you had that. It's so necessary for us in the world that we live in now, in the world that we live in now, to be a witness, right? If you want to evangelize. Now, the whole, this whole talk was talking it was, was about, I don't have the gift of evangelism, right? We know that there are spiritual gifts, and some people are the professionals. They're the, the, they're the evangelists, right? I have a friend who just texted me, and he's a chiropractor, right? He's my, well, he's my mentor now. You know who he was? He was a guy that was talking in that different language, putting hands on everybody in the beginning, right? <laughs> Guy's become my mentor for the last 15 years. One of my, one of my good, good friends. He's in Knoxville, Tennessee. His name's Dr. Pete, and Dr. Pete is an amazing chiropractor, but more importantly, this man uh, is sold out for Jesus, right? And so he's been an example to me and, and, and uh, an encouragement to me. He changed my life personally, not him, what God did through him. But he just sent me a video of uh, 5,000 um, uh, Muslim people being saved and lifting their hands in worship to God, right, in Pakistan. Uh, this is what he does, right? I say, Dr. Pete. What it, what it, how do you do that, man? And he still has a family. His son plays for University of Tennessee. They're still in the Final Four right now. And I seen him at the game the other night. I was watching the game. He's sitting right behind the bench. I said, Dr. Pete, you're doing, uh, he does a video cast uh, evangelism in Pakistan, seeing 5,000 people saved. And now you're sitting in the Final Four, or not the Final Four, but March Madness. You're like, he said, what's this say? It's only by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, man. <laughs> like, okay, got me. <laughs> My point being, this is exactly what we need. It's not just about what Moses. It's not just about what we read in Acts chapter 4, like Pastor John was talking about this morning. This is you and I. This is, you know, Dr. Josh, or what's your name? Trudy? Trudy? It's about Trudy. You are God's chosen pers- person for this period of time, for such a time as this, in the place that he has you right now. Yet, you might not have much. But what's he put in your hand? Who's he placed around you? And if he hasn't placed them yet, they might already be in your life. You just don't recognize it. Or maybe you already know this. Like, this is a uh, thing I'm just dragging my feet. And if he hasn't done it yet, he's doing it. That's that faith thing, right? If I don't have the money yet to do this thing, if I don't have the people yet to do this thing, when I came home and told my wife, we're going to start a worship ministry, she said, well, God didn't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> Does she trust that I hear from the Lord? And, and by the way, I respect my wife like that too, but uh, 
looking back now, people, listen. Looking back, you know, now, when we read Moses' story, we can say, yeah, no duh, he was God man, God's man, you know, we can see that. But he didn't know, going, when you're in the season, when you're walking through that, you don't get the opportunity, you know, we're not afforded the opportunity to read your story, you know, in the future. That's why it's called faith. God is placing the people there, and God is placing the money. I want to end with one last, what time do we got, guys? Okay, I'll end with one last story, and I'll let you ask some questions real quick. I would love to connect with you guys. Um, I do um, I do love just connecting with people. I love hearing people's stories and about them, what God's doing in their life, not just my story and my life. So um, this has happened just, just recently. It's coming up here, right? <coughs> we, um, I had th- heard from God that we were supposed to do a transformed weekend for worship anyway, for, our, for, the, for this worship ministry, a transformed weekend where people would go deeper, not just an event where they come and listen to good worship music, you know, we present the gospel, we pray for them, <coughs> we pray for healing, uh, <coughs> we meet needs, we have, lo- we have water baptisms at all of our events, we have a mobile baptism trail, we have water baptism at all of our events, um, and, and we do pray for people to be spirit baptized too at our events, and, um, and there's all kinds of denominations there, by the way, there's a way to do that without, you know, getting people all jacked up for the most part, and so, um, but we felt God was telling us to have this weekend where people go deeper where we dig into the word with them, with the ones who are ready to go deeper. Right? Long story short, we were going to have it at Heartland, which is a great resource. And, and all it just felt like I knew I heard from the Lord. I knew I saw this burn, had this burning bush type, you know, saying the Lord was speaking to me. And um, it felt like every door was being closed, right? Heartland got closed, and I love Heartland. We still do. It, it just, the door got closed for that. The door got closed for another place to have this. And anyway, it was like, but God, I thought you spoke to me. And then, how many of you have seen Jesus Revolution, the movie? Yeah. Powerful movie. I'd go see it. Um, so I, I take my eight-year-old daughter to go see it. We watch it. It's amazing. My eight-year-old daughter, I was like, I don't know if she'll get it, you know, that kind of thing. And she says, that there's a scene where thousands of people getting baptized in the Pacific Ocean, right, Pirate's Cove. My eight-year-old daughter leans over to me and she says, Dad, we can do that. Wow. I said, I don't think you know what you just said. Yeah. Right? If an eight-year-old can be prophetic, then I like brought tears in my. I'm like, you, you probably don't. Maybe she was just innocently not even knowing what she said. But she's like, Dad, we're throwing people. We can do that. All right, Lord, what are you doing there? She loved it. She's she went out. She went out and knocked on her neighbor's door who were Catholic, and she said, "Are all your kids baptized?" <laughs> <laughs> she said, "Then my neighbor, we love him." She said, "Well, we do it a little different." And my daughter says, "Well, they need baptized." <laughs> she's the one that's going to change the world and she's very very hard to deal with sometimes <laughs> so anyway uh, I called a local theater and I, our, our local theater, little hometown theater and I said hey um, how, how can we get Jesus Revolution here to our hometown theater, I just want it to be here in our, in our community in the community that God's called us to and they said uh, the next three movies are booked out our booker, blah blah blah, blah, blah. we're not going to be able to have it, right? we already got the next three planned out I said I'll pay extra We'll do whatever it takes. How can we get it there like one night? I don't think we can do it. So I was like, okay, Lord, am I not hearing from you? Like, what is going on here? These doors are being shut. Two days later, the theater calls me back and says, you'll never believe this. We made a mistake. Um, Our booker booked the next two movies, left a week in between both these movies. And so we don't even have a movie plan. We have to show one. And so we're going to bring Jesus Revolution. I said, oh, my gosh, that's so... This is amazing. It's going to be so good for the community. And they're like, so you don't have to pay extra anything. We're bringing it. 
I said, no. What if I bought the whole theater out and let everybody come for free? Just let them come for free. They're like, okay. I said, okay, I want Saturday night, the night that most people will come. I'll buy it out. What's it cost? And they said $250. I'm like, this is a small town, little theater, right? I said, $250. So that's not enough. We're going to pack this thing out because the Lord's going to do it. I'll give you double what you want. And they were like, um, okay, you know. I said, I'll provide all the help. You don't have to hire anybody else. We'll provide all the help, all the volunteers, clean up, set up, concessions, you name it. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, okay, that's okay. I said, um, we want to take up, it'll be free, but we want to take up a donation, not for our ministry, but for maybe another ministry in town. There's a foster and adoptive ministry. There's a family life center. There's all these other things, Christian counseling. I said, we want to just raise funds for them. Can we do that? Sure. We'll just take up a free will donation at the door for them. I said, last thing. Can we present the gospel and play live worship before the movie? They said, you do whatever you want if you're paying that much money. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't that much money to us, but for them, small town theater, you guys might not know how that works. So uh, anyway, I said, all right. I I go to my team. I pitch it to my team, my my 19 worship teams and their their wife and stuff. I said, hey, the Lord opened this door. I just told them the story you just said. How did that make you feel when I told you that story, though? Like, I want to jump on board. Because my entire, it must have been, because here's what happened. The Lord just said, use what's in your hand. And we went with that. And at first we thought, well, what, these people aren't listening to me, right? And then the Lord opens this door, and then he brings everybody around us. And within three days, we had enough money to rent out the entire week in five shows. And, I, and by the way, our ministry didn't pay for any of it. Everyone else just came around us. Like, the Lord just literally blew this door wide open. Right? And f- for us to run out the whole weekend, theater weekend. And then someone says, why don't you have live baptisms at the movie? And I was like, ooh, that might be a stretch for God. <laughs> so um, our mobile baptismal, we have a trailer. Revive Ohio, we work close with them. Anyway, wouldn't you know that God moved my brother-in-law's real estate office right next door to this movie theater and put a parking lot out back. And there's a door, side, side door to the movie theater that goes right to that parking lot. I mean, he didn't know that five years ago when he moved there that this was going to be. Let me tell you this. The weekend we were doing this was the same exact weekend that God told us we were going to do a transformed night, transformed weekend at Heartland, and the door got shut. And in this place, and the door got shut. This place, the door got shut. Let me tell you what. We get the opportunity to fill the theater with 500 people five different times play live worship, present the gospel, and, and baptize people right on site in our little hometown, right? And we're inviting youth groups, and we're inviting, like, this is, and, and all God said was, what's in your hand? So I encourage you in that. Let me just pray for you. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to come, and I know, God, that you've called every single person in this room. They're here in this session uh, on purpose, and so, Lord, I thank you for that. Now, I thank you, God, that you called them to something. And if they don't know what that is yet, and, and, and if, if they're not sure what that is yet, God, I pray that you would just speak it to them again and show them again through your word, God, through the people that you've placed, godly counsel around them, God, through your Holy Spirit, that you would just reaffirm that in their heart. God, that they would just know uh, that they don't have to have it all figured out, but they would have faith uh, that is of a mustard seed to uh, just walk out what you called them to do, that you place the people around them, uh, that, that are going to help them and be a resource and that you, you're going to provide all the finances and all the things, all the things that we think are roadblocks, God, they're not roadblocks to you. And so, Lord, that you're going to do that in their lives and the communities they're at. And it's going to 
God, we're going to see the fruit of that, that it was God, because we're going to see the fruit of that happening. We're going to see communities being changed and families being changed. And whatever uh, school or or a workplace, whatever that is, God, that these people would have godly boldness, power from on high to be your witness. And I pray that today is a life-changing thing for them and for their communities. It's not about them. God, it's about your kingdom, your plan, your purposes, and your will going forward. So that's our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.